0: Oh, okay. okay.
1: To another episode of the Banter Pub FC, the sauciest team in the game, the spiciest takes of the pitch. In the pub today, we have Neil, Ama, Jonathan, myself, Adam, our producer Ross, holding things down uh, away from us. We miss you, buddy. Hope things are good. Uh, But today we got um, switching it up because the European season is kind of done. We're recording during the international break, but a lot is still going on, and a lot to talk about. Uh, the biggest thing, uh moment of the match, was the CONCACAF Nation League's final. Uh, the new thing that all the Continental Federation seems to be doing is Nations League because it lines their pockets a bit more because it makes there's a new broadcast package and the newest trophy that countries can claim. CONCACAF's inaugural version finished up this past weekend. Uh, with the two powerhouses of Concacaf, United States and Mexico, meeting off in the final once again, a very testy affair ended with a three-two win by the United States. Kind of controversial at points. Um, Jonathan, what what were your thoughts on, on on the match and and what transpired
2: there?
3: Well, you know, I mean. It was, a, it was an away game for the U.S. team. Uh, I, I don't want to say unfortunately. It is kind of what it is. Um, you know, the U.S. team is actually, actually doing they're actually pretty good. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. They're pretty good. Uh, they've, you know, somehow still navigated the pay-to-play system and uh, got some great talent in the side. So it was a testy affair, as all U.S. versus Mexico games are, and it, it was a good game. I, I mean, obviously the the ending of it and the things that transpired after, particularly the races. I, I can't use the word racism. The uh, racially charged the the incidences that's happened uh, have been have caused a stir. But uh, I'm the game was the game was decent. The game was decent. For me uh i know we have a lot to talk about in regards to uh <laughs> a certain pundit but uh, i enjoyed it
2: just as a recap we, we go over it so
1: mexico scores in literally the first minute uh giovanni reyna uh legacy united states player who has both parents who played for both national teams uh equalized in the 27th minute Um, Diego Linus comes on as a sub, scores within three minutes in the 79th. Weston McKinney equalizes in the 82nd. And then we get into extra time, and that's where the controversy comes in. Some people questioned if it was a penalty that should have been given, but it was given. Kristen Pulisic, uh, the the so-called Captain America of this team, um, uh, scores the penalty in extra time. Heads over, leads the team over in front of Mexican fans to celebrate. Um, Giovanni Reina actually is uh, off the pitch at this point, but gets hit with a bottle by angry fans. Um, Definitely, like we said, a testy affair. Um, Mark McKenzie was a defender uh, during the game who had some missteps and uh, suffered some racial abuse following, which he posted about later on in the week on Instagram. so again, a very explosive uh, affair for two teams that hadn't seen each other in quite some time because of the pandemic. And any time the Mexico, Mexico and the United States get together, it's it's pretty
2: intense. Um, Neil, what were your thoughts on uh, what happened with the match? You know, Adam, <laughs> I,
0: I, it was difficult to watch, and it was difficult to watch because despite the fact that there was end to end play um if you were a if you're if you're a fan of uh a soccer ma- a soccer or football beautiful game match that uh there's no defense there really wasn't that in this match um and I think early on, I think there was a when, you know, El Trey Eltre scored and then uh, the United States responded. Um and then it just was top it just was just went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Um and then I think there were I think there were some issues with the referee and some calls. There were some clear var decisions that were kind of ridiculous, Um, and it just, it wasn't a fun match to watch if you are someone who enjoys tactical football. Was I happy that Gio Gio Renna and Weston McKinney were uh, a part of some tremendous goals? Yes, because other players on the U.S. men's national team that are perpetual failures Um, and only get lifted up when they do next to nothing and they still win a trophy, um, were, you know, yes, they, you know, yes, that individual did uh, score the winner in the dying embers of the match. But at the end of the day, if not for Gio Rena's play, if not for Weston McKinney, you know, know, I I wouldn't necessarily say dominating the midfield, but playing a vital role in uh, finding outlets, uh, and finding attackers and, be, and scoring himself, like, you would not have uh, the match that you did. Um, I say it was a bad match because Mark uh, McKenney really did, you know, that situation that he had to deal with, or the situations, it wasn't just one. The multiple instances of racism uh, bestowed upon him during and after the match, um, which we'll touch on in a moment. Uh, it was just so uncalled for, but also so on par with what we're used to with uh, the beautiful game. Uh, we talk about it every week. Uh, we seem to talk about instances. And
2: uh, I am very um, interested to see uh, how, uh,
0: particularly, the black players react to these situations going forward because what happened to Mark was just fucking uncalled for, right? We can call out the homophobic chants by the uh, Mexican supporters, um, uh, which was justifiably so should be called out because it was homophobic and and slurs were used um, in those chants. But to say that, you know, Mark made two mistakes. One was very early in the game and did end up allowing Mexico to score, but that doesn't mean you racially abuse him for the entire match because that does lower morale, shockingly. Um, well, I say shockingly to nonchalant American fans who are only interested in – U.S. men's national team players when they're playing for the U.S. men's national team and couldn't give two fucks if they're being racially abused or just playing in their, uh, you know, in their own home clubs. And the only player that they fucking care about is the guy who didn't even do anything in the fucking Champions League final and still won a trophy. So that just goes to show you how fucked up the U.S. men's national team structure has been. And we've talked about it before,
2: but, you know, it, it, to, all that to say it was fucking frustrating. Very frustrating result. And I, I, people have alluded to it so far. The referee kind of
1: lost control throughout the match and definitely um, a lot of decisions that seem to have been missed or overlooked or um, things that be turned up. We forget uh, Tata. Uh, Martinez was uh, given a red card when <laughs> the VAR situation was coming on. And <laughs> First of all, uh, okay, th- that was a setup. To put the VAR screen in between the two benches, that's, that's impossible. I don't know how you navigate that. Um, and, you know, two people, two intense, um, yeah. two squads that are uh, always fiery. So if there's any sort of controversial event, to have a VAR decision uh, for the referee to be in that situation and not like somewhere that's at least a bit more neutral. That's kind of a setup, too. But Tata, Tata did touch the referee while he was trying to make his decision. And it looks, it. you know, I understand the red card there. Uh, but there was just a lot going on for this new fake tourney that we've, we've made up. Um, I know we. I, I joined the last part of a watch along uh, that we had um, impromptu uh, on our Discord server. What were your, what were your thoughts on on the matches? I know you were watching.
4: Yeah. So the first thing was like this UN's men's national team is the blackest team I've seen, uh, put on the colors uh, for the United States.
1: Also, I- real quick, second youngest team that they'd ever featured in, a, in an eleven that in a final.
4: Yeah, I think it's I think it's good. I think it, that that was a very positive outcome. It's like you know. I trashed the men's national team uh, when they don't perform. And on on this night, they got a result. However it happened, they got a result. Um, and I I dare say, dare I say they, they showed a certain amount of uh, resolve. I mean, they kept responding to these, uh, to being pushed back. Um, there is no defending Tim Reams defending. That man got cooked left, right, and center that night i think everybody talks about how mark mckenzie made the mistake but like tim Ream had a terrible night terrible and and um yeah that so that there's that um also like there's a lot of subplots going on in this match and I, I for that theater for that um drama it was a it was a really good match i i i definitely enjoyed it i don't was the outcome fair you know i I, honestly neither here nor there but it was definitely a spectacle um it was cool to see Uh, and you guys forget like because of this um because of all the shenanigans that went on during the match we forget the shenanigans that went on before the match like can we speak on uh oguchi on uh completely uh despicable comments about you know choking someone right on air um can we talk about clint dempsey's terrible choice in blazer I, I you know don't
1: like the camo tux bro come I, on
4: i know it was a gift
1: <laughs> Don't tread on me also, also, Charlie Davies doing the stanky leg when he delivered the Nation League's
2: trophy.
4: Yeah, and um, I I guess I did have um another thought, which was like, oh, it mixed up in in all this stuff was a really trash penalty, uh, Andres Guardado took, like in extra time, like Mexico had a chance to tie it up still, and this man folded under the pressure, so um, he's a he's a decorated professional blah 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 but like um Mexico had Mexico had an opportunity to make it even more of a spectacle and um it, it just didn't happen. So uh, so so the mat, the match itself was was a spectacle and but there the numerous like other uh narratives that played out underneath um yeah were well, they're worth commenting on.
1: Yeah, definitely a spectacle. I mean, I mean, like I said at the start, uh, these nation leagues. Uh, obviously, UEFA was the first one to institute one. Um, this is the inaugural one for Concacaf. So we know the idea is more matches, more broadcasting uh, opportunities for whoever the partners are, and. Um, yeah. Fox got what they wanted. Like, um, it's a spectacle. They got, it was entertainment value. It was late night. I feel like that match ended for us on the East coast. It was like about 1230 or so. Um, so, and I, we were engaged. There's no question. Um, yeah. or yeah, sorry. Paramount plus. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's something new that, um, that they can capitalize on and there's no question. And there's no question they're going to keep doing this cause this is a great success. And, uh, at least for the near future. I mean, we'll be honest. It's most likely going to be the U.S. versus Mexico for most of these, <laughs> as most Concacaf affairs are. Um, and you know, it's it, really big here in the U.S. because usually, even with Paramount Plus, Univision uh, usually has better ratings anyway because there are more um, more Spanish speakers watching those matches anyway. Um yeah, So let's move. Yeah, let's move forward. Um, That's right, and we definitely have to talk about um, there's the result and congrats to United States men. Again, I agree. Last thing I'll say, it is the most talented that, I mean, I forgot who mentioned it. Oh, yeah, think you said navigating pay-for-play. You navigate pay-for-play by recruiting players that were born here but can still play for you too uh, that never had to be in pay-for-play as well. Uh, But Yeah, they're doing a good job, Uh, but we do have to talk about the match. Uh, They did have to halt the game at one point because of um, the homophobic chant that uh, the Mexican fans have been warned about by their own federation credit to the federation that's saying, please stop doing this because we're going to get in trouble. Um, but the fans just don't seem to think that that's a real thing until I, I don't know what punishment CONCACAF can maybe institute in the future. Cause uh, again, Mexico is a powerhouse. So, it, uh, I, but something has to be done because the fans aren't getting it. The game was stopped for a moment, but the game resumed. So um, that's one aspect. Obviously, uh, the, fan throwing, the fans throwing the bottle. Once the uh, Americans were uh, celebrating in front of them, that, that did hit Gio Reyna. Luckily, Gio Reyna is okay. Uh, a scary moment for a second when he was down. Um, but then, you know, on the other side, you do have the American Outlaws, Uh, as a fan base who are in the the American outlaws will the uh, official group of official supporters group of the, the United States national teams. Um, You know, they're not in the clear as well. We know that they have a history of, you know, build the wall chance at those matches as well. Donathan, what did you have any thoughts on um, uh, basically the fans showing out and to be clear, Uh, Mark McKenzie if you hadn't seen it uh, there are multiple articles about it he shared on his Instagram in detail um, shared a video of fans growing beer cans and literally saying fuck you monkey uh, to him and his other fellow black players on the pitch Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, what transpired in in terms of the racism and homophobia uh, displayed by the fans
3: that night you know it's it's the same old, same old. Like you're 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 asking CONCACAF, which is an extension of FIFA, to come up with solutions to deal with homophobia, deal with racism. They're not going to do it. They they're not designed to do that. In fact, they're probably totally okay with it um, on a on a high level. I'm sure folks on staff of these these federations do are like nah this this can't this can't happen but what are they I mean what are they gonna do look look what happened in I was reading an article um, in around uh, the Euro twenty sixteen I know we're gonna talk about the Euro Championships but uh, about the English player English f- supporter that went to to Marseille got beat up uh, <laughs> uh, was paralyzed or I think had some some severe brain damage and is thankfully doing a recovered a little bit enough so they can do an interview but you know hooliganism you know you thought was wiped out like 30 years ago but it's still here still strong still happening so it's like that you i have no faith in fifa or the federations that are that are that comprise of fifa to come up with a solution i mean i think it's messed up that that homophobia chats are messed up in general like period, there's no, there's no, there's no justification for it, obviously, and you know, the, the credit to the um, uh, Mexican Federation to, to try to police it in a way, but it, it's got to come from the ground up. Like it's got to be ground up solutions to it. We cannot trust these institutions to to implement policies or do anything to fix it because it's not going to be fixed um, from them. They're 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 totally fine letting things happen as long as they're <laughs> they're making their profit. They're they're accumulating profit more and more and more. So you no, know, people can say whatever they want to say. And yeah, I think the fact that um racism occurred uh for a US player in the US um is it's messed up. And it goes it goes to show, like again, like I'm saying institutions are not doing anything to solve it because you you can you can do all these things like i, I think in in the, in this US game in the nation's the nation's league final i i know it was in the friendly you had folks wearing the, the the your shirt with um the pride flag uh as like a as a colorway for the back like it's it's performative it's performative superficial things that don't really and you see it on Twitter all the time, like how they, you know, when corporations, when Pride Month comes along, like corporations is at the ready to do whatever they're going to do on a performative level.
1: But they're so creative with the rainbows <laughs> and their logos. It's pretty exactly, incredible.
3: exactly. But nothing happens uh, on a material they're,
1: level. And they're also, do- and they're still donating to politicians who are blocking the things that would actually help those groups that they say that they're supporting. exactly,
3: exactly. So I mean, again, it's going to be. Uh, uh, it has to be a fan grassroots-led effort to actually destroy it, destroy this from happening on the grounds. And I think, you know, some supporters groups are doing it here, at least in the U.S., in a little bit, but it's going to be, it's, it needs to be a, a much bigger effort for me personally. That's what I think. And again, it shows like as much as as much talk as people want to give to like anti-racism and um, anti homophobia or, or yeah anti-homophobia, when it comes down to it, nobody's gonna do shit. It's gotta be from the people, because the institutions not gonna do shit. That's
2: just me. That's real. Um, remember, R-
1: CONCACAF is the federation that brought down you uh, FIFA. Uh, just because of how corrupt they were, <laughs> it's just think think the one time the the IRS was actually doing their job and trying to figure out what was up with taxes, and that's really why FIFA comes down is when the IRS was doing what they needed to do. But CONCACAF is lazy. Let let me move on. I want to get I want to get Alma and uh, Neil's take. We got a lot to cover, so Alma, what what were your thoughts on all the fan fuckery that we experienced with this this match?
2: Yeah, I mean.
4: I think it's clear that there was unacceptable behavior across the board, and I just want to see a whole lot less of it. The chant, like you guys have already said, what needs be, needs to be said, like it really shouldn't be a thing anymore, and um, and should never have been in the first place. So, yeah, it's really tired. We are at the point in we're at the point where there should be like. Granted, there was a halt and all that. These protocols, like we said, with racism from fans, these protocols are um, very—they're meant to escalate slowly over time. It's like, and I feel like the entire history of CONCACAF has been a slow escalation. And so, like, we're ready for—can we just flip the switch on and off? We don't need a gradient. Like, we can—can we—can we have consequences? Um, so I'm down. I'm in that camp. In the same vein, we um, we should have the same on and off switch for racist behavior at a at a football match. Uh, that's just not it. We can you can tell somebody they suck all all day long. That's fine. But uh, the the racism and homophobia is absolutely not. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready for the the fan fuckery to be done with. Full stop.
1: Yeah, that's it, Neil. I don't know, chimney FC captain. Anything you wanted to add to the, the fan fuckery that was experienced?
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, the way that the, the way that the conversation has gone, I think everyone's kind of touched on exactly what needs to be said. The, and I'll just add that, you know, there is a reason that black players have been organizing. In America, in the manner that they have, it's because they recognize the inherent anti blackness in the beautiful game in America. They recognize that the fans, despite the fact that they are apparently, you know, at least at face value, there to champion them, at the end of the day, many of those particularly white supporters. Only care about those players when they are performing well. Otherwise, it's a shut up and dribble situation. Or in this case, shut up and score. Max. And and that's it. So at the end of the day, when these players are organizing, the you know, the men's national team players and the women's national team players, and the white and many of the white players are, you know, Doing the bare minimum or nothing at all when it comes to supporting their uh, black teammates. Um, It's a consistent issue. Uh, You know, we've talked at length since we've started this podcast about how anti blackness is systemic. And we've talked about how it is a scourge on the beautiful game. We've talked about the history. We've had guests talk about the history of anti blackness. We've had, you know, former players in the American game. If you listen to the most recent set piece, talk about that level of anti-blackness. So this is a serious serious scourge that we that we can't emphasize enough, despite the fact that we emphasize it every week. What is it going to take for the federation to recognize that holy shit the black players are organizing. Maybe we should actually throw some support behind them and stop pussyfooting around the anti-blackness that these players are dealing with, not just from us as a federation, but also um, the supporters groups and the just regular fans that aren't even members of supporter groups. Because oftentimes, what happens is these support is some of these fans act out and say things, and they may not be members of supporter groups and the supporter groups feel, oh, we don't have to say anything, right? American outlaws and all these other, you know, U.S. Federation supporter groups say they don't have to say anything. Well, guess what? You have to do more than say something. And putting black people in leadership, and I know we have friends who are a part of that leadership, at the end of the day, putting black people in leadership of supporter groups is not enough. It's not enough. You have to do more than just putting, uh, you know, Folks in positions and allowing them to prosper. Because if you surround them with racist white people who
2: are going to stop their progress, then what's the point of them being there? And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, credit the US Soccer
1: Federation did put out statements that uh, decry the racism and homophobia um American Outlaws the supporters group didn't initially come out with something but they did eventually throw up something in support of uh Mark McKenzie's um uh post and uh what what transpired um at the match uh in all honesty it's uh it, it, hopefully you know hit us up on the Twitter um uh, Instagram however you can reach us if you think I'm wrong when I say this but I haven't seen the Mexican Federation really say anything um intensely about this most of the history about it kind of says hey guys please stop doing this because we might lose matches not necessarily this is wrong but it seems at least the language that the way it's framed in a way is this might we might lose matches if you guys keep doing this as opposed to these things are really bad so please hit us up on the twitter point me to it because I, I, I want to be wrong about this. I, I hope the Mexican Federation can do something about this. And CONCACAF has to do something, too. They're the governing body. You have to do something more. You have to, like, it really has to come to the point of threatening these guys with, like, losing points. The World Cup qualifiers, which we're about to talk about, are coming up. Like, this, this can't continue. And uh, to put it in perspective, in the semifinal against Costa Rica, that game was halted, too, for the same chance um and you know there's like it happened in the semi-final um it's happening again obviously the players aren't a part of it you don't want to penalize them but if it's something continued where you're almost at the point that i don't know you're almost at the point that mexican fans can't even be in the stands if if they can't control or and i'm sure and to be clear i know it's not the majority of mexican fans uh i'm not going to put a number to it but i'm I'm sure it's the minority but it's enough that it it still gets enough that it can stop a game that's a problem and you don't want to ruin it for everybody but it's just something that can't continue
3: and and adam Um, i just want to add to that like like you're saying like it's not about just the mexican fans like it happens in the united states too it happens in clubs all over all over the country like you know, we're one of the biggest exporters of homophobia based on like foreign policy in the world. So, and like, <laughs> we're not we're not. Uh, it's not like a, a foreign thing for for, for us in the US. Right.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and moving on, just want to touch on that aftermath too. I know Joseph
1: has had some interaction with some people. Um, in regards to as we're calling on people out because you know again you know the bands are here we're all about supporting marginalized groups we're all or pro-black pro-black and brown marginalized groups everything um and our mission is really like everybody has to keep speaking on it like racism is a systemic issue that doesn't just change because one policy change or something it it's going to keep happening we talk about it pretty much every week it's something that the people in power the so-called allies have to keep pointing it out in terms in just saying this is bad this is bad and if you lose your supporters and followers that's how it has to be they have to know that it's unacceptable silence is makes you complicit to the problem
4: uh I did have one more aftermath point, which was, you know, the ugliness online afterwards, right? By more fans who couldn't be racist in the stadium decided to be racist online, you know, to the point where Mexicans was trending in the United States. And, of course, you click on that and you find all these vile uh, sentiments uh, put forth by ostensible United States soccer fans. Right. Um, we don't have space for that. There's no, there's absolutely no need, especially in victory, especially because you won. Right. Enjoy it, bask in it. But don't, you don't have to descend into uh, all the derogatory comments that were made. It was just really, really sick. Um, so, why, you know, especially because. You know, I, I I don't know, we've we've I think we had a few interactions uh, individually with other soccer fans that were really I think problematic in you know in the sense that you know people who couldn't give a rat's ass about an actual gay person were they were up in arms about the the uh homophobic chant and you know criticizing you know and and then being racist in response. You know what I'm saying? Like you have no values you it's just a bludgeon to use to beat your adversary over the head. We got you know it's not a value you hold, and so that hypocrisy and disingenuous posturing has no space on our platform and honestly shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be granted anything
2: uh any any space uh in society writ large. That's it.
3: Right. If I can add one more thing, uh unrelated to earlier point about uh Charlie Davies shooting the stanky leg. It's like one, he's he's not even from he's never from Michigan. He's from New Hampshire. I I don't understand that. I just don't. But that's just me.
2: Oh man. No,
1: it's I, I feel you. That's that's it was just it's it's almost like I was like, Can you is there do you have like a nephew or niece or kids? Is there a TikTok dance you can update with? Like Stanky Leg like, is also just dated, bro. Like uh it's just a lot. Like, so um very questionable. Anyway, we're about to uh take a quick break. Uh we'll come back really quick. We're gonna talk about um uh Euro twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one. I don't even know if they I think they still calling it Euro twenty twenty. Anyway. We're going to get into that more summer tournament stuff, but stay with us. We're taking a break right now. We'll be right back. The
3: goddamn sauce. Nine different flavors, same goddamn feeling. Share our passion for sauce and discover the full goddamn range at the GDSauce.com. Use the discount code the FC to save 15% when you caught the sauce. Bouse up.
5: Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back. Welcome back. To... Well, we're going to do something a little different for this main segment. Um, Something kind of unprecedented happened. And we kind of need to give you a bit of backstory as to what it is we're talking about. Let me cast your mind back to the CONCACAF Nations League final between the U.S. Men's National Team and the Mexican Men's National Team where we, we got a spectacle. We got an absolute spectacle in terms of the football. We got an absolute spectacle in terms of the uh, fan misconduct off the pitch uh, during the match. Online. Like, every little ounce of drama that you could possibly get out of a cup final, we got in the Conference Cup Nations League final. and For the inaugural final, it set quite a high bar. But we do need to talk about, in particular, whilst everybody had everything to say about the homophobic chanting for the uh, Mexican men's national team supporters, the El Tri fans, um, there wasn't a lot said from the same people in regards to the racial abuse that Mark McKenzie suffered during and after the match because he didn't put in the best performance. But as we all know, anti-blackness is usually the thing that comes um in response to black players not performing as well as they usually would there's no room for mistakes where that's concerned so fast forward to um the aftermath of that match and i see the one alexei lalas has a twitter space in the show that they run where they basically get to go ahead and have a one-on-one with the man himself I couldn't get anything out of him in terms of a tweet. Couldn't get anything out of him in terms of a comment uh, in terms of that. So I thought with the whole Mark McKenzie thing still looming large, but he had everything to say about the uh, Mexican supporters being homophobic and all that sort of stuff. That's all good and well. But when it comes to getting your house in order, I was a bit curious. There wasn't very much he had to say about that, if anything at all, up to that point. So I figured the best way to go ahead and go about it was to go ahead and engage him directly. And luckily, after two people before me, I get called up to go ahead and speak to the the ginger goat himself, Alexi Lalas. What you're about to hear is the conversation between myself and him and everybody else that was in that Twitter space. Now, I don't know what the rules of engagement are, In terms of producing this, we here at the Banter Pub FC don't know what the rules of engagement are for this. If this is completely and totally unprecedented, then, well, that's kind of in line with what we do. But the conversation that Alexei and I had is a conversation that I think you'd be quite keen on listening to. So without any further ado, here it is, Alexei and I, in 4K. See what you think. Banter Pub FC. The banter pub, and what does it focus in on? It focuses on the intersections between the beautiful game and the socio political ramifications that are inextricably linked with it.
6: Oh my God. All right, so give me an example. How does that manifest on a, on a typical show?
5: So, the, one of our previous episodes, we unpacked the whole European Super League debacle and uh-huh. what it meant for supporters who were predominantly working class people, um, what it meant for supporters who really invest in their clubs and how that differs from the billionaires that own them. Um, We basically just unpack it from both our personal and collective experiences of what the the greed from these billionaires and what that ramifications has for us, for people who, for all intents and purposes, truly care about the game and not from a profiteering lens, if you like.
6: Okay, so that was your thesis when you started. What was your conclusion when you uh, finished the pod?
5: Uh, we concluded that the clubs essentially need to be strongly punished. They can't turn around and say that they respect and revere the competitions that they previously disrespected to break away and rake the a ton of J.K. Morgan's So we felt that it's a massive hypocrisy and only really the sternest of penalties should be doled out, but we see how that played out. Uh, yeah. So
6: the- what, what would your suggestion have been in terms of the
5: penalties? They should have been banned from the competition for at least two years. I think that would have been a great start to show not just those clubs, but also any other uh, clubs that may be privately owned and, you know, cash rich or whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, that that will not be tolerated. But
6: if your if your if if your mandate was to uh, stand up and have a voice for uh, for the fan out there, how does that have or the supporter? How does that help the supporter or the fan out there by not having their teams be able to participate either the either fans of the teams that are there for that are uh, uh that are sanctioned or other fans that want to watch the best players and the best teams out there
5: it puts the onus on the fact that if they want first they're respecting the patronage of their supporters the supporters want to see that but they're not in control of their clubs so it's out of their hands mm-hmm. the, on, the 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 fact of the matter remains is is that This will only spur supporters on to make sure that not just their clubs, but the leagues and administrations that they answer to get right. But also it should spur local uh, affiliations and confederations, if you like, Uh, the FA, for example, um, and the people who administrate La Liga, um, you know, Calcio for uh, Serie A and so on and so forth. It would spur them on to know that because it's going to hit them in the pockets, essentially, because none of that kickback from the continental competition revenue that they're pulling in. They're not going to get that anymore. It should spur them to get right also if they really care about this money because they all they really do care about is this money. But they have to have it taken away from them because as Joni Mitchell once said, and she never lies, as you know, <laughs> yeah, don't you always seem to go that you don't know what it's got till it's gone
6: nice i like it you said uh, you said you're a musician what kind of uh, what kind of music what are you playing uh
5: Predomin- predominantly um between uh metal oh i've been in four bands metal bands punk bands uh but i also um do uh, hip-hop and r b music and the bit of electronica so like drum and bass and things like that actually
6: wow you are a renaissance man uh awesome what do you want to talk
5: about so i wanted to ask you um because i i didn't know if you had actually addressed what Mark McKenzie was put through by the U.S. men's national team supporters during and after the game.
3: Yep.
5: I wanted to
6: explain to to the folks uh, that maybe have not heard.
5: So Mark McKenzie, uh, unfortunately, um, was another victim of basically what black players truly endure. They're not allowed to make mistakes because when they do, they're racially abused. And Mark McKenzie was the latest uh, example of that. he went to Instagram and he shared his testimony and also shared the evidence of his racial abuse. I'm sure he was inundated with it, but he used choice examples. Um, and I'm sure for his mental health, he didn't want to go ahead and pour over all the evidence you know, of the abuse that he had seen um, and been subjected to. Well, but it's, it's, it's
6: irrelevant. From... It's irrelevant how much, so to be quite honest. I mean, if it, even if it's one, one is too much. Let's be honest. Agreed.
5: Yeah. Agreed. So my question to you is, is that I, be, uh, I wondered if you can point point to me where you've publicly addressed that in the same way that you publicly addressed the homophobic chant from the Mexican supporters, which is also unacceptable.
6: You mean like a, an article or appearing on television? Well, I haven't done any of that.
5: A tweet? Anything, well, really.
6: I don't think so. I haven't done anything. Would you like me to address it right now? I would. Yeah. As I Well, as I said, it doesn't matter how much or little. Ultimately, if it's one, it's bad. And uh, to your point, uh, you know, Mark McKenzie is a national team player. And I think as an athlete, whether it's him or anybody else, you recognize that you are going to come in for criticism. Well, criticism is one thing. Saying you had a crap game because you did this, 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 and uh, you didn't play well or whatever, that's all fair game. And I think every athlete understands that. But the other stuff is certainly beyond the pale. And you know, I talked earlier about the anonymity that this and other social media platforms provide you to say things that you otherwise would never say. You'd never say in company or you'd never say, well, depends what company you keep, but for the most part, you'd never say in public. You certainly would never say it to someone's face, but you get behind that keyboard and uh, you don't have your name out there and you fire off these uh, despicable types of, of things. And, you know, unfortunately, it's probably not the first time for Mark McKenzie. And unfortunately, it probably won't be last time for Mark McKenzie and whether it's him pointing it out uh, or others recognizing it you hope that we are heading in a direction uh, where it's lessened but you know when as I said this is what social media brings about it's wonderful in many instances and I've talked about I think the good and the positive that can come out of social media but there's a whole lot of bad and um, it doesn't It doesn't excuse it but i think everybody understands that when they get on that and they put themselves out there for lack of a better phrase they put themselves out there that there's a lot of stuff that's going to come back in and you know it doesn't make it as i said it doesn't make it right and he is i think going to continue on as as a soccer player and a very good soccer player but ultimately he's also a human being and all of these athletes are human beings and by the way that doesn't again It doesn't mean that any athlete in any sport doesn't recognize that they are going to take criticism, fair criticism, criticism that can be debated. Okay, you don't have to always agree with the criticism, but this isn't criticism. Okay, (laughs) this isn't this has nothing to do with sports. This has nothing to do with legitimate and fair type of uh, criticism of a uh, of an athlete here. This is just vile, horrible stuff from vile, horrible people.
5: To that end, though, the social media aspect is actually unfortunately only one facet of it. So for the racial abuse that he racial abuse that Mark McKenzie said that he endured during the match. um, I noticed and, uh, and it's not just you, so I won't single you out, but I noticed abject lack of people addressing it in as much as they wanted to address the homophobic chant because it was coming from the Mexican supporters. So my question at this point would be what what exactly will it take for the lights oh, what
6: was the what was the racial abuse during the match i just want to make sure that I'm, I'm clear about that
5: so according to what mark mckenzie had said that he had been subject to epithets and things of that nature whilst he was playing obviously he was having four and i remember my friends remarking when that bat that errant ball that he played as soon as he did that we all kind of just looked at each other and said he's definitely going to get it um because that's what we're used to as black supporters of this beautiful game. And Mark definitely acknowledged and affirmed that in his statement. And he said that you need to do better. So getting away from the social media aspect, what would you suggest to the, like, you know, your colleagues, like Taylor Twelman et al. And what would you suggest to the U S soccer federation in order to do more than what they're currently doing? Because I'm sure you can agree that this, this abject lack of making sure that we kick racism out of the game is just not cutting any ice.
6: Right, but if you have a, a crowd of eighty thousand people, what do you what what, what do you suggest uh, happens? I mean, the you
5: know, the <laughs> the, the, the chant
6: ask. the chant is on on, on mass, right? And so it's you know a, a collective and organized type of thing as opposed to one one person. Obviously, if you're able to single out a one person that's doing something like that, then you deal with them uh, in the moment or after the moment, whenever it happens, because you can actually identify who that is. But if you can't, I mean, it's very, I mean, very very difficult.
5: No, that's actually not true. I come from a country where we have absolutely done that, but the 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 FA only got compelled to do that after the Heysel disaster, and the all English clubs got banned from the competition for five years. As a result of that, the FA works with the government to try and make sure that all the grounds, uh, because the UK is one of the biggest surveillance states in the world, so I suppose, suppose the advantages there, but, well, I mean, if you want to call it that, I personally don't, but the, one of the benefits, if you like, is that they have been able to identify people in crowds of anywhere from forty-five thousand to seventy-five thousand people getting banned for life, identified, reported to the local constabularies in which the clubs operate. This is something that absolutely can happen. Yeah, but tonight. if they
6: don't, but if they don't have the video evidence uh, for it, what are you going to do?
5: Well, this is the thing. The stewards can also report it. the People on the ground, security can also document it legal observers if you like these things can be implemented but my point is is that they're not so Got what it. would you, Got it. Okay. so my point is so my question again is what would you suggest to both your colleagues in you know american soccer punditry and also to the US Soccer Federation because again you are one of the you know notable players in history obviously your reputation speaks for itself as a player as well as a pundit so what would you suggest in order to kind of implement a similar model that we already have in the UK and other European countries too, I might add.
6: Well, uh, you're talking about <coughs> putting in. <coughs> excuse me. You're putting in. You're changing. You know the uh, the amount of cameras. I guess you. Uh, I guess you would uh, be talking about. You're talking about where those cameras are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I, that, those are those are. I guess those are questions for the individual stadiums. So then, the U.S. Soccer Federation, if they believe that this is uh, a problem that needs to be dealt with you're only going to the places that have the ability to monitor in the way that you're you know, that you're talking about i don't know the infrastructure that exists when it comes to uh, u.s stadiums I'm, I'm, i would venture to say that it's certainly not as robust uh, not because necessarily these stadiums aren't don't have the money to do it it's just i don't think anybody has decided that it is the extent of the problem where they want to you know, and you believe that that's something that should happen so even if they even if the Federation said we're only going to go to stadiums where we can monitor it in a way that we feel is appropriate, it's probably going to be a very limited amount of stadiums. So then it's up to the actual stadiums and it would be up to the other, other leagues uh, that populate these stadiums and obviously have a, uh, a, uh, a lot of leverage and power going forward. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be changed based on what U S soccer does. When I say U S soccer, either the United States soccer Federation or necessarily United States soccer community i don't know what would you do
5: well what i would do is make sure that there was a grand coalition so all of these parties actually work together in a way that takes racism seriously it's something that needs to be exercised it's not just a sporting issue it's a societal one that's why the government also should have to get involved so you'd need local officials law enforcement too to a certain degree although personally i don't trust law enforcement as far as i throw them due to their own anti-blackness that's another discussion for another day So my thing would my suggestion would be is that a similar model could be implemented here and it starts by making sure that all parties responsible, making sure that they're doing their due diligence are at the table. They all need to work together and come up with a robust system. These things need to be created. Just because everybody's passing the buck doesn't mean that, you know, there's nothing that anybody can do. Personally, I wholeheartedly what
6: does that I don't understand? What does that mean? You're putting together like who who are you putting together to do what are (laughs) these what are they actually doing?
5: Okay, so let's start from let's start from the actual administrative level, and we're talking about U.S. soccer at this point. Remember when Seth John went on that racist rant for like six, seven minutes, and they didn't stick the boot in; they gave him more time. That's yeah. the, these, these kind of simple things where you basically tell them that this will not be tolerated needs to be enforced. There needs to be also a political will from the U.S. Soccer Federation to do this stuff, but they're very nonchalant, sometimes apathetic. And that's really disappointing to black and brown supporters of the game well just plc in general really i think we all come here to have fun we all come here to you know to love what we you know to support what we love to enjoy the game itself and also to uh to you know to to, to pull off with uh you know other members of the community it's supposed to be bringing a together of all different cultures there is no bigger melting pot than this sport i think and what it really needs to be taken seriously is that, yeah, it might sound paradoxical, but it's theoretical. You can't tolerate intolerance and racism is intolerance in the extreme nth degree. So getting back to how this looks pragmatically as a structure, what I would suggest is that it starts with the US Soccer Federation. Then you got to get the execs and owners from the MLS in. You also need to talk to the USL and NISA and, uh, NWSL, uh, and, um, the upcoming USL, uh, W league. Which should be getting underway, I think, next year. You know, but they you all... don't think
6: that they, you don't think that they, that they look at it as a problem or as a uh, as a priority in terms of the way that they're going about uh, their daily business. I guess, from a league perspective.
5: If they do, their words don't match their actions, Alexi. I think that's fair to say. Why? I mean, why?
6: why? Because 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 somebody <laughs> still experiences something like that.
5: Yes, correct. I mean, you have to basically show in a society that if you don't want certain behaviors to stand that you will be ready willing and able to address it every single time it happens and not turn a blind eye or just shrug your shoulder and say well that's just the way it is because it's never just a case of it is what it is it is what it is alexi because it was allowed to be that way and it was made that way therefore okay but that's you
6: know but that's You know, that's nature, nurture, that's all that kind of stuff that's starting at a very, very young age. It has nothing to do with a a, a league. That's a that's a human function of how you are teaching
5: your children. Ah, but these things don't uh, bond in a vacuum, are they, Alexi? See, the problem here is that kind of attitude kind of suggests that these things are mutually exclusive, and they're not. It takes a village. Everything that we have, everything that we enjoy, everything that we have to deal with, either uniquely or collectively on a daily basis, is spawned from the very same nurture, nature, societal model that we currently have. So it must be addressed, surely.
6: Yeah, but I, I, I think that you are blanketing... You know, whether all the leagues that you mentioned and, and I would throw, I guess, U.S. Soccer in there as it's not a league, but let's just throw them in there as an as an entity and and saying that they're looking the other way or that they don't care or they don't recognize that these are uh, that these are
5: problems. See, here's what I would say to that. It's not that it's not that I don't get why people come to that kind of you know, kind of come to that conclusion. The fact of the matter is, is that it's just not an excuse. Because the fact of the matter is, is that this sort of stuff is endemic. So it's not a blanket statement, but rather an observation of just how widespread this is,
6: yeah, I guess, I guess, but I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about solving, solving things, you know, let me, you could throw, I don't know, you know, other things. And we, I'm not equating anything, but poverty or, or, or other stuff of that. Everybody recognizes that this is a problem. I mean, I think most sane people would recognize that we don't want to have you know, these things happen in our culture, or in our life, but actually fixing them and figuring out how to fix them. That's a whole nother thing. But and, and you're and, and I, at the way that you're framing it is that we're just throwing our hands up and, and people are saying that they don't care. I think if anything, certainly over the last uh, last couple of years, there's been an examination. I don't know how much progress is made. I mean, I guess that's uh, that's for, up, up for debate. But I think at the very least, a recognition that, that this is a problem, as opposed to just throwing your hands up and saying, well, Previous generations didn't fix it. How am I supposed to fix it? Ultimately, somebody has to be able to say, this is how we're going to fix it.
5: Yeah, right. And that's what we don't have, which is my point. So So we agree then that this is something that can be dealt with, should be dealt with. And in terms of what pragmatically in terms of models that look like, that has yet to actually be. Properly established, and the people in the position or who have been working tirelessly, certainly from a grassroots level, are uh, an example. I'll give you Rose Room Collective in Washington D.C., uh, the Plastics out there in Chicago. Um, plenty of supporters groups do this work themselves. Uh, Northern Guard supporters, who you should be familiar with, there's a lot of them support Detroit FC, of which yep. you are. In. So, like, the thing about it is here, Alexi, is that that doesn't cut any ice in the grand scheme of things. What
6: do you it's mean just- they support it? What do you mean they support it?
5: No, they don't support it. These groups actually combat it and they come up with ways in order in their own spaces in order to address it and deal with it. Hell, I will even go ahead and throw this one at you. American outlaws, they have a notorious uh, back history since, you know, of all the kind of racial abuse and things of that nature that we've heard. Chants like build that wall and things of that nature, okay? Now that's not endemic of the entire organization, But American outlaws do have people who inserted themselves into the fray to deal with it. And they are doing their damnedest to deal with it. And it's a constant work. But that shouldn't deter anybody from that. I'm sure somebody who agrees in the virtue of hard work means that you just got to keep putting the shift in until the job is done, surely. Sure. Sure. But I want
6: to know what that work is.
5: That work looks like addressing uh, the, the the incidents as they happen when they happen continuing to spread awareness amongst the community that that you know of what that behavior really represents and why we don't tolerate it and what people can do in their everyday lives to combat it but in terms of football just use just exclusively zeroing in on football and the actual you know you know what happens in the terraces and the stands and things of that nature then it's just a simple case of like bylaws and things of that nature People have to, like, I, I don't care if it means that buying a ticket means that you implicitly say that you agree to these rules. And if they violate them, then that's their business. They're still going to be subject to punitive measures. But that's the kind of thing that we need to to do. Like, we have to kind of take maybe even a more approach to this. Because these things need to be firmly established that this will not continue anymore. And when people act as if it's just like, well, there's this and there's that, and we, do, we just don't know. That only shows that you're not really interested in trying to advance it, or you are leaning on your apathy as a excuses to say, well, I can't figure it out, so who can? But that's not the point, is it? Because if we're all about this humanitarian life, Alexi, then we need to be doing everything that we can to figure it out. But we've done it with so many different things in this sport, um, you know, we're still addressing things like sexism, homophobia and racism. And yes, I would agree that we're, it's a slow revolution. Mm, I would probably go back to maybe the early two thousands because it it was it was still rough in the nineties, but in the two thousands we did see something of a tipping point where supporters started to take things into their own hands. Mm-hmm. So, with the new uh, iteration of the MLS, because this is actually technically the second iteration of the MLS, if I'm not mistaken, um, supporters once again were right there to the fore, like. You know, I don't care if it's anything like standing up to, you know, the the corporate interests that disaffect supporters. Shout out to Columbus Crew when they saved their club and then again put their club to the sword about making changes, about changing their identity without their involvement. I don't care if it's about homophobia. Shout out to the San Diego Loyal and Landon Donovan for doing what needed to be done when Junior Cummings did what he did. Uh, or Sebastian, uh his surname? I think it's Legay. Leggett. Leggett. Excuse me. Um, sorry. Thank you. Like, you know, again, fans get active when they see players or their own former supporters or executives or staff in the front office or security guards, whoever's affiliated with their club, they know that they want their club to not reflect the society that they already live in. And got that's the reason got it. they try
6: But you're the arbiter, right? So you're judge, jury, and executioner as to what is appropriate action when it comes to the individual. Because I think we all recognize the problem, you know, and we can all admit that the problem's out there. But I think the way, that you're, the way that you're framing it is that you have to do something. And that something yeah. is by your definition.
5: Well, I mean, something is a suggestion. You asked me what does it look like, I'm just making suggestions. I never positioned myself as judge during execution, and I think that's more of a projection on your part. No, but be no. no, that- no.
6: It's, that's exactly what you did.
5: No, you, not- you,
6: you have to act like this. You have to say this at this appropriate moment relative to this, 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 this in order to be doing everything, quote unquote, everything that you can, right? That's that's what you said.
5: Yes, but I think you're misconstruing what the meaning of what I'm saying. When I say that you have to do it, I'm speaking to your convictions about egalitarianism and humanitarianism. If that, it's it's basically like a Boolean, um, which basically is like an if then statement. If you stand, in solidarity for all people and you believe that all people are equal then you shouldn't tolerate any of that behavior when you see it when you hear it, right. it-
6: but your reaction to that and whatever it is that you do is going to be defined by you as to whether it's appropriate
5: not necessarily sure um, it is.
6: you're going to and that's okay i understand that, i mean i would do the same thing I believe that this is the appropriate reaction but ultimately my judgment as to what that person is doing and i may be completely fair and legitimate in that judgment and i may that criticism might be uh, fair and legitimate in terms of calling out somebody individually but there might be other stuff that it's this is how i feel as a person you should react to it but that's how i feel yeah somebody else does not want to do something or wants to do something different in terms, of their, uh, their, uh, in terms of their reaction, you may not feel that that's the appropriate reaction, or you may not feel that that's the quickest way to solving some of these problems, but you are ultimately defining what that reaction should be.
5: Ultimately, defining it is a bit of a stretch because you mentioned what would I do about it, and I said that, so then to kind of twist it into me saying that this is the only way, I didn't mention that or imply that either. Well, no, 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 because,
6: I mean, let's be honest, the reason why you called today okay it was because you felt that i did not react in the appropriate way to something that you felt and i certainly would agree with you is serious right
5: i don't think you you understood i you didn't react at all publicly that's the reason why i used the word right publicly. so
6: i didn't react in the way that you wanted me to
5: i didn't you didn't react at all that's exactly. the thing. exactly exactly you- but that's, but that's that's more to my point, Alexi. Can you see where th- th- this is coming from? Because you didn't react at all. If there's a black or brown kid that's looking to you or looks to you as, a, as, 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 as an icon or as a role model, and you don't say anything about happen- what happened to Mark McKenzie publicly, how do they know what you feel?
6: <laughs> well, They don't know how to feel about a lot of things out there, okay?
2: I
5: yes i
6: i understand what you, I, I understand exactly what you're saying and i and i can put myself in your shoes uh, and i can understand where you are coming from when it comes uh, when it comes to something like that i'm just i'm just saying there, there's only so much that i can do there's only so much time that i have in my place so if if I do or don't do something, all right, and you agree or disagree with what, what I'm doing and therefore you're going to equate that as to whether I believe something or whether I don't believe something or whether I support something or don't support something, then we can do this all day and we can continue to do it. And you can do it for everybody out there and everything that they do or don't.
5: I mean, sure. But again, it's the inaction that creates that perception. And for people looking to you and you are in a position of some kind of leadership here, people see you on television every week on FS1 or FS2. Like the thing about it is, Alexi, is that doing nothing is the part of the problem. So when you don't do something, when something as serious happens at this, what would you expect people to just, you know, just be like, well, all right, well, God forbid you fall asleep. All right. Or God forbid
6: you (laughs) miss something on your timeline or God forbid that this, uh, this or this uh, happens. All right. And then somebody's gonna call you and is going to infer that you don't care. Or that at yes. best that you don't care, or worse that you'll actually agree with something that is vile and disgusting.
5: You're absolutely right there, Alexei, because I have been subject to that in the past. But the point of order here is not to react defensively. The point of order here is now that you are aware it's, of the no, it's, it's to not roll, no, that's, you know, that's not true. And you can finally say something, you should. Do I, I had to understand,
6: come- but you can say that for. There's a six-year-old boy that was shot on the four oh five or on the uh, the, the uh, Los Angeles freeway the other day. Okay, if you didn't comment on that, or if you didn't come out and say something like that, or if you didn't have a podcast of, of that, it doesn't mean that you don't care. It doesn't mean that you don't recognize that that guns or violence or uh, uh, or mental health, or something like that, is a is a problem. I just think that that's a very, very high bar for for a lot of people to be able to uh, be able to reach on a consistent basis in the world that we
5: live. I will push back on that, Alexa, because again, I did not say imply that. What I said was is that if you stand for these things and you have done part in the past publicly, again, you did that when the homophobic chants were done, but you were noticeably silent up until I had to come to you to ask about Mark McKenzie and where do you stand? You stand in solidarity with him, what would you say publicly? Will you commit to saying something publicly now? That and a thousand
6: about? people could come on this show and bring up things that I did or didn't comment on and then accuse me of the exact same thing.
5: Not necessarily. Sure it's they just could. A-
6: There's a million different things out there that deserve I mean, Alexi, our attention. You- and just because Alexi- we don't give it the attention doesn't mean that they're not serious. and doesn't mean that we don't care about them.
5: I mean, Alexei, again, people will make that interpretation when you have been vocal about things like this but then you miss this in the exact same match. I've given you a timeline of chronological events. This is not a case of hypothetical or pulling in about other situations That's a red herring that's a misnomer and really it doesn't become you to use that as an excuse it's just it's just a case of saying hold your hands up and say yeah I didn't say anything about it publicly at the same time I said, what i said about the homophobic chant but now that we're here no
6: but why am i holding my hand up for that what, and what is what what am i saying by holding my hand up
5: you're acknowledging the fact that you didn't say anything about mark mckenzie being racially abused bro that's what yeah, that's but, what but but but, but 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 that doesn't mean anything
6: but because what you're saying is by doing that i'm doing this walk of shame because i didn't say anything therefore i must agree with it or
2: therefore <laughs> no that's you're projecting. exactly what
6: you're saying no, you're projecting go raise my you're hand up and do a walk of shame because i didn't comment on
2: project- something
5: alexa you're projecting again again no one's suggesting you have to do a walk of shame what you're that's doing exactly
6: what when you're doing when you say put your hand
5: up no that's hold that's accepting accountability you're not walking shame where you're putting your hand holding accountability your hands up
6: for what for, me- but- for not commenting on a story
5: it's important no and the fact of the matter is you that's were there <laughs> There were, bear, lots of, there were all sorts of things out there. On if you opine on one injustice to happen in the exact same time frame as the other one, then one would have to ask you why you didn't say anything about the racial abuse. But you had everything to say when Mexicans were doing homophobic nonsense. And I know that you're a proud patriot, Alexi. I do. But the fact of the matter is, is that this one's a bit of a miss. Got it. And, okay.
6: I appreciate and, it. I mean, I, I can understand where you're coming from. I don't agree with it. But I can respect the fact that that's the way that it plays with you, okay? I can I, I mean, look. The only thing that I can do is say if you are asking me about this particular subject right now, and I think I've made it very, very clear that it's despicable, that it's vile, in the same way that I said that it was um, that it was shameful and it was a bad look and it, it was embarrassing to me and it disgraced the United States and our sport in the way that the uh, that the uh, the behavior of the fans. Uh, yes
5: yes it's, in
6: the same way that absolutely it's in the same way so there if that's yeah, what you yeah. want me to say
5: yes right. but but let those that those are the exact same words that you use to describe the homophobic abuse we can go back to the tweet if you like
6: exactly and i can use it to describe a million other things out there but but, we're but because I did do not, that...
5: not asking you to do that actually not asking you to address every single fucking thing i'm asking you to address this thing that you did not address let's let's stay focused shall we
6: Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I've just addressed it.
5: Cool. So, will you? My final question then is: Will sure. you commit to at least tweeting about it or talking about it when questioned?
6: Sure. What would you? Um, what would you like me to tweet? Do it right now. What would you like me to tweet?
5: Uh, you know we'll what? Do a, I'm not, we'll do a,
6: a live time, a real real time tweet here. What would you like?
5: I'm not going to tell you what to say, but I think that you should say what you just so you, said. So,
6: you you want me to act in a certain way, but you're not telling me exactly how to act.
5: I'm not going to tell, I'm not telling you how to act. I'm suggesting what I should say.
6: That's this entire call is because I didn't do something that you want me to do.
5: Not the entire call. You you, you were okay, speaking, not the entire- like, I mean, let's, let's not be hyperbolic. That's not helpful. <laughs> Come on, I <I'm> work in <laughs> television. I get that, but let's keep the hyperbole to a dull roll. The cameras are not rolling. So like, the fact of the matter is this, you didn't say it at the time. You still have an opportunity to do so now. And I'm not the only one that's asking for it because, again, Alexi, whether people like you, whether they don't like you or whether they're totally ambivalent to your, you know, to your on-air personality or just you as a pundit or a a, a former, you know, former player of the game, established player of the game uh, and all that sort of fun stuff. That is irrelevant. The fact is that you still have an opportunity to speak on it right now. And you did. Uh, Me and I appreciate that not gonna you know gloss over that either but if no one's in this space then what so just simply say what you said to me that was the whole point me coming to you and asking you this question that's a bad look but now that it's (laughs) happening
6: it's a bad look it's not a bad look
2: I'm not
5: going to let you say that's
6: a bad, a bad look. There's a million I mean, other things that people could come to me and you could say that's a bad look. Why didn't you tell, me, me, to, Why did you if, tell me about
5: this soccer if story you're over willing here? To address, if you're willing to address Mexican misconduct, which you were right to say that that was a deplorable act, right? I don't know if it brings shame on the country considering how homophobic Americans are. And as a bisexual man, I definitely can say that with full-throated conviction. But what I think you should really focus on is what I'm trying to get you to see here, which you keep kind of negating from. So you missed the opportunity in the moment to say it. Then Sunday, Mark McKenzie said it. Monday passed. Tuesday passed. It's now Wednesday, sir. Will you now say something in solidarity to Mark McKenzie and condemn the racist United States men's national team supporters?
6: Sure. Let's do it with some context here. I'm looking, uh, Who's got a good article about this? Would there, Jeff Carlisle is usually good about it. Would he have one? Let's see here. Uh, over there at ESPN, I'm sure there, there's something there. So what I'll do is I'll attach, I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll quote tweet with the actual article so people can see the stuff and then I'll, I'll say something here, okay? How does that sound? Is that all right?
5: I think that's perfect.
6: All right. Hey man, I appreciate you calling.
5: Hey, listen. Um, the final thing that I'll say just for me to you. Anyway, I noticed that (laughs) nobody's listening. Yeah. Nobody at all. It's just us in there. Um, I think, (laughs) I think what it comes right down to is that, I mean, you are in a position of immense influence, not just on this game, but also on the people who frequent it and the people who play in it, you know, your position is by all accounts far more influential than anything that i or my you know friends and you know colleagues can do so with your platform it makes a bigger impact it instills something in the people that look to you every single week to actually maybe just for once in their lives do a bit of introspective searching and say you know what maybe i can be better than this and maybe i can be better than i was yesterday and yeah okay i wasn't on it in the past but every single day you greet is an opportunity to get on it and the sooner that everybody starts to you know get on side with this then the sooner that we can move forward and start to enact the policies that match what it is that we want out of a society that we don't currently have
6: amen my friend namaste all right
5: thank you very much sir.
6: all right see you Anyway,
1: guys, we are so glad that you joined us. Um, it's been another intense and festive uh, episode of uh, the Banter Pub FC. Thank you so much for um, joining us. You know, the sauciest team of the game, spiciest takes on the pitch. You know, it's FC drip, athletico stunt, um, as we are here, Jimmy FC. Uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Banter Pub FC follow and subscribe on YouTube and Twitch. We're going to be there live a little more often over the summer. Um, And definitely rate, subscribe, follow on your favorite platform. Um, And definitely hit us up. Please join our Discord. We're talking, we we do this on the daily with a lot of our friends, so um, the banter is live. Please talk. We love to engage with y'all. Anyway, for the Captain Neil, for Ama, for Joseph, for Jonathan, this is Adam, crosser behind the scenes. We miss you, buddy. Um, this is the branch of UFC. Join us
2: next time.